Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. We've been studying man in three dimensions, spirit, soul, and body. If you remember last week, we began there in... uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, not verse 17, which is one of our favorite scriptures, but verse 16, that talked about how we do not know one another after the flesh. We must know everybody spiritually. And not only that, we don't know Jesus after the flesh. We have to know who Jesus is spiritually. You say, well, does that really, is that really relative? Yes, because he's, thank God he was the innocent child in, in, the, in, the, in the manger in Bethlehem. He was the, you know, the curious 12-year-old boy that remained back in the temple as they, uh, as they celebrated Passover. He was the uh, one anointed in, the, in John's baptism at the Jordan River. He's the one that did signs, wonders, and miracles. He's the one that died on the cross. But after he rose from the dead, there was an identity change in him. He became the firstborn from the dead and he stepped out of his humanity and back into his deity. Thank God Jesus is risen. I said, Jesus is risen. And the Jesus we serve today, he is seated at the right hand of the Father. He has a name that is above every name and you must know him spiritually. You know, it's amazing how religion will leave him in one of two places. They'll leave him in the manger or on the cross. Amen. But a revelation of the Word of God seats him at the right hand of the Father. And the the relevance to that is this. When you see him seated at the right hand of the Father, you see yourself there. So much of the teaching of of redemption is so resisted by most of denominational Christianity because they don't feel worthy of that. Well, you know, you can't preach that people are the righteousness of God in Christ. You can't preach that they're uh, 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 risen with Him and seated with Him in heavenly places. See, that's all Scripture. You can't preach that you're a new creature, that old things have passed away. Sure you can. It's the Word of God. He's the one that makes you righteous. He's the one that makes you holy. It's nothing that you've done. You could do nothing anyway. The Bible says it like this in Titus, not by works of righteousness which we have performed, but according to His mercy He has saved us and washed us with the regeneration generation of the Holy Ghost. Thank God. Nothing on your part other than to believe. Amen. Now, with with that in mind, let's go real quick. Go to Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians. I've got a couple I'm going to read different translations because I want you to, as we've studied spirit, soul, and body, One of the most important things you can do as you are a believer in this day and hour is to understand what's going on spiritually. Amen? You know, the only time Jesus ever rebuked the crowd is when the crowd did not understand what was going on. They didn't understand their time of visitation. They didn't understand the season, nor the generation, nor the dispensation which they lived in. And they certainly didn't understand Him. But listen, all of these things which... I don't know why they've done it. Christianity has made so mysterious overall. Well, you never know the day. You never know the hour. That's really not true. You know exactly when Jesus is coming back. You know exactly the season and the time in which the rapture will take place. Now, you don't know the exact day nor hour, but you, can, you know when it's... Listen, just like you know when they start telling you a storm's coming, you may not believe the television, you may not believe the radio, you may not believe the radar, but one day all of the nature will testify there's a storm coming. 
That means all the circumstances will change. And a lot of the circumstances that are going on now, people have gotten this kind of this denial attitude in them that, well, everything's going to change, everything's going to be okay, and everything's going to go back to normal. No, let me tell you something. Something has been put in place. Something has been initiated by the devil himself in which he is making his move to bring his, quote, new world order upon the planet. If you don't believe that, then you need to wake up. You truly need to, well, Pastor, I don't, I don't believe there's a new world order. I don't believe in no people talking about a reset and talking about the UN and talking about, you better wake up, church. I don't care what ABC or CNN or Fox or anybody, you, can, you need to go to the Word of God and see what the Word of God says. Everything that God has said in His Word prophetically has been accomplished and we are literally sitting in the last ticks of the clock of the last of the last days. I mean, if it goes two years, I'll be amazed if we make it two to three years. If we make it two, then I'll say, well, praise God, I'll be amazed if we make it another two to three years. But all of the things that are happening and that which is being projected, the Bible says men's hearts will fail them for fear of that which is what? Coming. Coming upon the earth. I mean, I listened to some stuff that was going on in Europe about how they, you know, with this COVID thing and all that's going on, and now they've got this mutation and that mutation, and they're talking about literally creating a medical passport for you that without that, you cannot buy, you cannot sell, you cannot do business, you cannot walk into a store and buy. What, do you, what does that sound like to you? Does that, that ring true to anybody? They're not talking about doing that. They are doing that. Amen. Now, in 2 Thessalonians, let's read here for just a minute. I'll start it in the King James so we'll know where we're at. Chapter 2, it says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. Now notice, we've talked about this before, how he's talking about two events. He's talking about the gathering together unto him. This is where we get the term rapture from the gathering to gather unto him, and then the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. These are two events that happen seven years apart. Amen. The gathering together, the rapture of the church, is the removal of the withholding force, which is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ off of the planet, literally so that God can complete his dealings with the nation of Israel and also bring judgment upon the earth for the iniquity of man for over 6,000 years. Amen? Amen. Literally, that, the, the, that's, that's, that's chapter and verse. We go to Revelations and read about it. We can talk about the war. We can talk about the great end time war. We can talk about that great end time battle when there will be an army come from the east with over two million men in that army, you know the only nation in this world that can muster a two million man army? Does anybody know? China. Everybody knows it. I mean, there's no, there's no disputing what's going on. There's no disputing what is happening in this day and hour. What we need to talk about is waking up to its reality and living in the grace that God has given us. You cannot live in last year's grace. You have to enter into the grace that God has for you. And you've got to understand about I was talking today with a very close friend of mine in ministry who's made some real, uh, uh, real decisions in his ministry. Been, been in the ministry 40 years, been a missionary overseas, has done a tremendous work, but he knows there's change and he knows there's transition. Listen, when there's change, you can talk about change all you want to, but when you are forced into transition, that's something different. 
And the whole world is in a transition that they have been forced into. And that transition isn't just going to recede and just kind of go away. No, it's going to get stronger and stronger and stronger because the gathering together of the saints is nigh. It's coming. It's fixing to happen at any moment. And then seven years later, the second coming of Jesus will come. Just as sure as that virgin conceived and bore Jesus in the manger. Just as sure as 400 years before Israel came out of Egypt, it was prophesied that Egypt, that they would go into Egypt, that they would become slave, a slave nation, and that God would bring them out with signs, wonders, and miracles. I tell you, the Bible is true. The Bible says, let every man be a liar. Let God be true. Amen? Now notice it says uh, that you be not soon shaken in mind. Are you shaking in mind? Are you like, oh my God, Pastor, I, I don't know what's going on. What are we going to do? What about vaccines? What about this? What about that? Well, don't be shaken in mind. Or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us as that day or as the day of Christ uh, is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means for that day shall not come except, everybody say except, Except there come a falling away that the man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. Now, I've seen people for years, I've seen people that teach on end times try to, try to take that falling away and make that the rapture. Well, that's the rapture of the... I've studied it from every angle and I've listened to some people I have confidence in that teach on the end times and they're talking about in the last of the last days an apostasy shall happen. That means a demon spirit will, will go around seeking in whom it may influence to draw you out of the move of God to get you to forsake your faith so that you will miss the gathering together and go through the tribulation. Amen. And the tribulation, you got one or two choices. Renounce your salvation, take the mark of the beast, or have your head chopped off. It's not my opinion. Scriptural, amen? So you've got to understand something very strong that has never come against you is coming against you now. Let me say that again. Something very strong, a spirit of apostasy, very strong, is coming against you and is coming against you now. Right now, it's the weakest that it'll ever be. That means it's going to get stronger and stronger, and stronger, and stronger. Amen? I like that, that, that phrase I mentioned earlier when we took, an, took the offering that pastor said when I was listening to his teacher, said the biggest lie the enemy's perpetrating upon the church is you still have time. Time to serve God the way you want to. You know, really don't need to make this adjustment or that. No, you're going to have to get white hot. You're going to, not red hot, you're going to have to get white hot when it comes to serving God. Living in the Word, living in prayer, declaring the Word of God every day, standing in faith, resisting sickness, resisting disease, resisting poverty, resisting depression, and resisting any kind of a spirit that tries to warp your mind and pull you out of what God has for your life. Now let me say this. Jesus is coming back for what? His bride. What does He call His bride? He calls it the church. The church is an organized, the ecclesia is an organized gathering of men and women in which God propagates his government. You know, the family's the same thing. 
Did you know the fact? Did you know there is a there is a government reality that is established in a godly family, from the husband to the wife to the children, and that becomes the fabric of society, and it becomes the bedrock of morality in the earth. That's why the enemy has fought marriage so hard. That's why marriage, so many marriages end in divorce. Because you do not realize the spiritual fight you get in once you get married. I don't care if you're a Christian or not a Christian. You say, well, I just married the wrong person. married the wrong husband. Married the wrong. No, no, no. There was a demonic spirit from the moment you said, I do. And it doesn't matter if you were saved or not. It's the institution you were entering into. It wasn't you personally or your wife personally or your husband, husband personally. It was the institution you were entering into that Satan wanted to break that because he knew one of two things. If those people live in that covenant the way it is designed in the Word of God, then they are going to be powerful. They're going to find out who Jesus is. They're going to get born again. They're going to get filled with the Holy Ghost. And then they're going to raise another generation of people that know how to demonstrate the defeat of Satan. That's why Satan hates the family. He wants to destroy the family because he knows if I can destroy families, I can eradicate churches, and I can control nations. If you don't believe that, go look at what's going on in communist China. Look at what went on in the Soviet, what went on in the Soviet Union, and look at what's going on all over the world where there's been antichrist tyranny controlling nations. They hate the family. Amen? So, how do we get off on that? That was good anyway. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away. So, we're talking about man's spirit, soul, and body. The outward pressure of living life in this generation and in this season is designed to be a conduit into your flesh and soul to get you to make decisions based on your flesh and your soul. I've heard it for the last year of people that, you know, they, they write sweet letters and sweet texts and talk about how, you know, the, uh, we just can't come to church anymore. We're afraid of COVID. We're afraid of this. We're afraid of that. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, be not conformed to this world. Amen. And there is a comp. Now listen to me. This is how the spirit of apostasy works. There is a confirmation in the world right now that makes sense to your mind. Now let me say that again. There is a confirmation in the world right now that makes sense to your mind, but if you peel back the layers, it makes no sense whatsoever to a true spiritual person. Don't go to church. Don't gather with more people. But if you want to go buy whiskey, keep the liquor store open. Like keep, selling the, keep selling the weed in the drug stores. Keep, keep aborting babies. That's all well and good. But don't gather. Don't gather in a church. Come on, church. We need to wake up to the, quote, sensibility of the apostate spirit trying to cause us to realize and recognize, well, that makes sense. It don't make sense spiritually. It does not make sense spiritually to back away from a church because of COVID. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying, I'm, I'm saying that people look, watch and see that have sat at their home for a year and have not come to church because they're afraid of a stupid little disease that Jesus bore on his back so that you don't have to live under the tyranny of it. 
and you've let that rob you of the fellowship of the saints, rob you of the blessings of God, rob you of one of the greatest conferences we ever had, and rob you from the everyday fellowship that builds your faith and causes you to be more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. That is the spirit of apostasy, and if you let it, it'll keep you on your couch. You'll never darken the doors of a church again, and you will end up missing the gathering together of the saints. Now, go, go if you will, go if you will to, go to Proverbs. Because if we're going to expose a problem, we're going to have to give you the answer. Proverbs chapter 3. I can do this with my notes. I still promise I'm a man of my word. I'm going to learn how to use my <laughs> iPad. I'm real good at my games now, so that's helping me learn. Amen. <laughs> now, let's read this in the King James first. Verse 3, very familiar portion of Scripture. This is going to have to be your attitude. I mean, you're going to have to make the adjustment in your mind to this Scripture right here. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Be not wise in our own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Now listen to this. It shall be health to thy navel and morrow to your bones. Actually, we could go to the next scripture. We just covered health right there. Let's cover, cover finances in the next one. Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy precious shall birth forth with new wine. People say, I don't believe in that health and wealth prosperity, that health and wealth doctrine. You better. You need it more than ever in this day. You need it more than ever in this time. Amen. Now, in studying this, I want to talk about your behavior. Because if your behavior is based on trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your ways, you're going to have a different standard of behavior than just the average Christian. Now, I begin to dig into, uh, really didn't, didn't hear any teaching on this. The Lord just kind of awakened this in my own heart. So I begin to dig it out on myself, dig it out myself. Everybody say information. Information, information is designed to produce a perception. Amen. Information is designed to produce a perception. Perception is designed to create behavior. Now, let me say that again. Information is designed to produce a perception or how you see things. Now, you've got a lot of people giving out a lot of information trying to get you to see things the way they see it. And it's, it's, listen, if you don't think the world's going crazy, oh my goodness. I mean, they're trying to get us to see things all kinds of different ways. And if you look at it this way or that way, I always look, number one, what is the source of this information? What is the motive of the people that are giving out this information? Are these people of God? Are these, are these righteous people? Are these people of the devil? Did you know there's only two? There's only, there's only two classifications. There's no one standing on a fence. There is no fence. Well, these are just good people. No, they're not. They're either of God or of the devil. 
They're either they're listen. They're either they're either in in, in the living in the reality of lies and deception and what makes a lie lie anything that is that is not true. I, I preached a message. It's been about a year ago. I preached a message on the anatomy of a lie. Listen, you don't have to just paint a entire false picture. All it takes is a little deception in the truth to create a lie. Years ago in meditating on the Word of God, the Lord showed me a, just a, what I call a little mini vision. And it was like this, this glass barrel or a glass receptacle full of the most purest, cleanest, beautiful spring water you've ever seen in your life. How many would like a drink of that? Now, if I took an eyedropper and put one drop of mercury in that water, how many would want to have a drink of that? One little drop, but there's 55 gallons of water. And just one little tiny eyedropper drop of mercury, I wouldn't want to have anything to do with it. I'd want to drink it, pull that water out. It's poison as far as I'm concerned. The lie is the same way. It can look pure from the top to the bottom, but that little element of something that is false turns it into a lie. And information that is based upon the lie, you have a distorted perception. And in the confines of that distorted perception is where the spirit of deception can enter into your heart. And I'll tell you, I've seen it happen for years and people just get caught up in that spirit of deception and they think the way they see things and the way things are, they think that's reality. That's, rea- that's just the way things are. That's just the way, and it may not be the, thing, the way things are. There are people that are trying to paint a picture of reality right now and it is not reality if you are a spiritual person and if you're living by the Word of God. What the reality of your life is is the information that gives you the perception of who you are, what you have, and what you can do in Christ Jesus. Listen, there's something we need to just really get out of our lives. You say, what is that? This self-motivated Desire to serve God for what He can do for us. You say, why? That, that's quickly being purged out of the church. Well, Pastor, you don't understand. I got problems. I got this. I got that. I, I need help here. I need that. We all got that. Come on, church. You don't serve God for what He can do for you. I've said this for years. It's been literally part of the repertoire of my revelation. If you serve God for only what He can do for you, then what He can do for you would be very limited. It'll be very limited. You may get a breakthrough here. You may have a little healing there. You may get a little prosperity here. But in reality, if you serve God for who He is, that's so much bigger, that's so much grander, that's so much greater, and that takes the restraint off God's hands, and He can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you ask or think. So you're going to, you just, we all have needs. We're going to have more needs come up. Thank God he's the one that supplies all of our need. But if all you're doing is serving God because you got some kind of problem in your life and as soon as that problem's fixed, you got another agenda. Listen, I doubt if you get what you're believing God for. Because listen, God's pulling all that out of the church right now. He's purging that out of the church. He wants His children serving Him for who He is. He is a glorious, magnificent, almighty, omnipresent, all-powerful God of the universe who can do anything we can believe Him for. We just have to believe Him the right way. Information leads to perception. Perception is the ability to assimilate assimilate information, now listen to this, and make a rational decision. 
Now, where does a rational decision come from? Does anybody know? It comes from your peanut brain. <laughs> Rationalization finds its power in the senses. Amen. Well, that looks good. That feels good. That tastes good. That smells good. That must be good. It might be, it might be so far from good as far as the east is from the west. Can I get a better amen than that? Your perception needs to come from your spiritual eyes. That's why several times in the letters, Paul either, Paul either mentions or requests that what? The eyes of your understanding be enlightened. Why? So you will not make rational decisions. Rational decisions come from the enmity of the mind that is separated and segregated from God, and that's your mind and my mind. That's why it is important for you to rise up as a spiritual being, not a soulish being, not a fleshly being, but a spiritual being, and make all your decisions based on the Word of God. What does the Word say? You get information. Let's just use everybody can relate to finances. So you start getting information. You know the dollar's getting weak, and you need to save money. You know you need money for a rainy day, and and all and you know all the all the uh, uh, things that go along with that. You need to get your you need to get your tribulation food, and your and your and your shelter, and you need to move out in the country and dig a hole and climb in that hole, and you know pull pull the top over your head, and and you know it makes good sense. Doesn't that make good sense? Boy, I tell you, they did it back in they did it back in the seventies and the eighties. But boy, things were like they are today. That makes good sense. Good sense. Well, the Bible had the God didn't say. Well, we're just going to we'll set aside the we're going to set aside the Bible for a while, while the church finds a hole to crawl into. You know what God will say? He'll say, No, no, don't go dig a hole. Don't go climb into that hole. No, keep giving, keep sowing, keep standing in faith, keep feeding those pastors in Africa. Keep sending those thousands of dollars. Build, help build that church in Australia. Help build that second church in Ireland. Amen. That's where we're fixing to start one in Derry. London Derry is what it's called, but Derry, you don't call it London Derry when you're there and get yourself in trouble. Amen? No, that's what we, we keep. We keep the standard of the Word of God when the whole world says you can't. You've got to keep that 10%. You got to keep that other that other offering. You got can't you can't you never boy I tell you you got to they they're gonna take all the meat away. They're gonna, and let me tell you something, church. I'm telling you right now. I'm a little more connected to agriculture than than a lot of you. They are plowing under thousands and thousands of acres this year that they should be growing crops on. They are euthanizing hundreds of thousands of chickens. They are pouring milk like rivers into the, into the rivers and they are literally setting up a starvation situation in the nation. So, oh, pastor, I don't know. You've lost it now. Then how many times have you been to the store where you never saw any empty shelves? You see them now. Been there when you couldn't get milk. Been there when there were no eggs. Been there when there was no milk. That's just beginning slowly to condition you through information so your perception changes, so that your behavior changes. Well, what are we going to do? I tell you, God still knows how to make the ravens bring you food. Amen. 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 Did you know 60% of our farmland is owned by foreign nations? 
That's why they're doing that. And the foreign nations that own it are not for us. They're wanting to take the whole show over. So yes, yeah, they want starvation. They want famine. And listen, when the, when the first world has starvation and famine, the third world dies in mass by the thousands. So you've got to understand there are some perceptions that you need to get from the information of the Word of God so that you don't fall into the trap of what the enemy is trying to do in the earth today. Amen. Let me read it in the, my Passion Bible. Oh, man, my time got away from me. Listen to this in the Passion. I like it in the Passion. It says, trust in the Lord completely. Do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on Him to guide you. He will lead you in every decision you make. Become intimate with Him in whatever you do. This sounds like a different lifestyle, doesn't it? Become intimate with Him in whatever you do. He will lead you wherever you go. Don't think for a moment that you know it all. For wisdom comes when you adore Him with undivided devotion. See, a lot of times our devotion gets really divided. You know, I mean, Pastor, come on, I got I to I go to the deer lease. I got to go to the... I got to go. They got tickets to the ball game. You know, I got to, how's it saying? How did Jesus say it? Uh, I got I got ground. I got to go plow it. I've married a wife. I got a business. I got to go take care of it. Let me, let me tell you something. Those things that cause division in our, in our focus are going to have to just be done away with. That doesn't mean it's wrong to go fishing or hunting or wrong to go to a ball game. That means you cannot live as that supplying the relief or the release that you need. That means you're going to have to lean on the Lord with all your heart, with all your understanding for him to refresh you, restore you, strengthen you, and give you the wherewithal to navigate the troubled waters that we're entering into. Let me read this and we'll close. It says, don't think, think for a moment that you know it all. For wisdom comes when you adore him with undivided devotion and avoid everything that's wrong. Then you will find the healing, refreshment, your body and spirit long for. Amen. Then it says, we'll just go ahead and read that. I wasn't planning on reading the next one, but it has to do with prosperity. Glorify the Lord with your wealth. Honoring him with your very best, with every increase that comes to you. Then every dimension of your life will overflow with blessings from an uncontainable source of inner joy. Whoo, glory to God. Do you believe the word? See, if you get the information and you receive it by faith, then your perception changes. And once your perception changes, you begin to act different. Your behavior changes. Now, let me close with this. You know, they build these big ships in these shipyards. You know, they got their plans. They got their, uh, their blueprints, all that type of thing. I was on a, I worked on a ship offshore in the, we were, it was an old troop carrier that they used in World War II. And they gutted it and they put a derrick on it. And, uh, 117 miles off the coast here. I worked out there for mission drilling. Uh, for as long as the ship was, was anchored out there, we had eight 
anchors because we were called uh, an exploration ship and we would go into an oil lease and we would drill wells and then they would bring a production platform, connect all those wells together and they would produce, of course, you know, oil from out there. So in February, this would have been not, February of 1976, now we were anchored with those eight anchors and this storm came, uh, what they call a blue norther, and it blew up this huge swell. We had a swell indicator down in the, in the bottom of that ship that was zero, zero here and 30 at the bottom. And it was pegging out, 30-foot seas. And they didn't have time because those anchors are cemented to the bottom because you don't want to lose your well location. If you lose that well location, hit a natural gas pocket, do anything like that, kill everybody on the rig. So they cut everything down, shut everything down. Uh, usually we flew out there. We had to ride out there in a boat, in a crew boat. took us 18 hours to get out there, 30-foot seas. Now, because they could not pull those anchors, the way the ship was positioned, that swell was hitting on the, on the port side of the boat. Wave after wave after wave against the restraint of those eight anchors. So it wasn't going to move. So there was only one thing left. The structure, the entire structure of the ship bent. Bent the ship. I mean, two days after the storm was over, the Coast Guard flew out there, checked the ship and said, take it to Todd's. We're going to Todd's. This thing is, you can't, this thing ain't safe. So we came into the, into the channel over here and we stayed in the channel for three weeks and we kind of just dismantled everything. They brought it to the Todd's. They looked at it and said, so they took it and cut it up for scrap. And they told us, well, we have uh, one other exploration ship, and when we have a job open for you, we'll give you a call. Well, I'm still waiting on that call. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a ship in a storm that did not have the liberty to navigate in that storm the way it was designed to navigate in a storm, which would have been into the wind so that you wouldn't have had that kind of destruction. So there are things in life that anchor us in a certain position, our attitude, our mindsets, old religious mindsets especially are harmful. And other things that we just, we're just anchored in that. And then the storm comes and what does the storm come? It comes in and beats on the side of the ship. And what, what those storms do that beat on the side of our quote ship is they reveal our weaknesses. And that's what's going on with a lot of people right now. It's just the general storm of life that's going on right now is beating on the side of your ship and revealing weaknesses. Well, the, the way to fix that is not to stand there with your head in the storm as you're continually beat to pieces. you got to pull up those anchors. I don't know why. You know, I was, thinking, I was actually thinking about that the other day. I remember who our, who our tool pusher was. He's a little guy named Jack Bracey. And all these guys were from Columbia, Mississippi that had gone to Vietnam together and had come back. And they were the drill crew. These guys were, I mean, these guys were tough. And I've always thought in my mind, why didn't they just cut the chain? They had a, they had a, a, a blowtorch. They had all the equipment they needed to, to cut the anchor chain. I mean, the anchor chains were big. But you can cut through those. Why didn't they just cut? You know why they didn't? Because they had a hope that the storm wouldn't be as bad as it really was. Now, you've got to understand, church, we've all got some anchors in the ground. And there's a storm a-blowing. But thank God there's some fire in the Word 
that can cut through mindsets, ideas, even things that may have been in your life for a long time that you thought, well, this is just the way I am. But it may need to be something that's cut right now so that instead of the storm destroying you because of weakness, you're able to turn your ship into the waves and actually begin to progress and move forward in that which God says for you to do without ending up at Todd's shipyards and being cut up into scrap. Amen. Amen. Does that help you? Amen. Lift your hands. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for the spirit man on the inside of each and every one of us that that spirit man is growing stronger every time we teach the word. It's being fed. It's growing. It's increasing in strength. And Father, empower us by the word and the spirit to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Not to lean to our own understanding. Let the information that is predominant in life be your word so that we have a word perception of what we're going through. What we're going through as a church, what we're going through as individuals, as families, as marriages, so that we will not end up ineffective at a time in history in which the church is called to be the most effective. Hallelujah. You know, I'll say this and we'll pray and be dismissed. You can stand. You've been sitting there too long. You can go ahead and stand on your feet. You know, if you're a pastor, you're always concerned about church growth. I mean, if you're not, then you question whether you're a pastor or not. And especially if you had 18 to 20 years of field ministry, that everywhere you went, there was church growth. I remember, I guess the, the greatest testimony of our field ministry, well, and I don't know, there may have been others, but the greatest one that we had was a particular place we held a revival meeting that was a Sunday through Wednesday, two services a day. And within six weeks after that revival meeting, 30, 30 families were added to the church. 30 families were added to the church. I was actually sharing the testimony today of a, of a church where I went to and, and the pastor was just, he was, it's a denominational church. He was, he was there, he, he was voted on every year and all this kind of stuff and they weren't paying him anything. And so I was fellowshipping with him at his, at his, uh, at his house and I asked him, I was kind of bold back in those days. I asked him, I said, what do they pay you? And he told me. And I said, what? And he, I said, this is what they pay you? They had about 80 people in the church. I said, this is what they pay you? He said, yeah. I said, here's what you do. I said, you gather your board together and have a board meeting. And you tell them this. I have to have $50,000 a year. I want you to buy me a brand new truck. He looked at me like I was from Mars. And so that was like on a Sunday night. So every night we went, because the, the, it was a small Texas town down in South Texas. Everything was closed. So we went to his house for fellowship after every Sunday. So every, every night he would ask me, you think I ought to do that? Think I ought to do that? Think I ought to do that? And so finally Wednesday night, you know what he told me? He said, I'm going to do it. I said, go for it. And so, I mean, it wasn't a word from God or anything. It was just, some, just, was just my opinion. So about... Six weeks later, here's what happened. I get a phone call. It's Pastor Bob. You know who it is. It's Pastor Bob. And he says, you're not going to believe what happened. I said, what happened? He said, I called the meeting, just like he said to do. And he said, when we went in there, the guy who's kind of like the head of the board, he stood up and he said, I have to say something first. He said, I said, what did he say? He said, 
Pastor Bob, what we're going to do is we're going to pay you $50,000 a year and give you a brand new truck. He said, Rusty, why do you think they did that? I said, because you made a decision to confront them. God spoke to them, and that's why they did it. So I know about church growth. In two years, that church that was running 80 was running 400. They paid off every debt they had. God tremendously blessed them. But here's what the Lord spoke to me. He said, you don't understand. You need to have a different perception of when you're living. And I said, Lord, you're going to have to help me with that. He said, go back and read the book of Acts. So I went back and read the book of Acts. I still wasn't getting it. He says, look. He said, I had the ability in the book of Acts, in the, in the first chapter, second chapter, third chapter. He said, I grew my church this way. One guy got up and preached one message and 3,000 people got saved. He said, you, you just need to be willing to believe me by faith that you're in the last of the last days. And that the latter house is going to be greater than the former house. And I have an ability to get the Word of God out there in such a way that in a day, a thousand can be saved and added to the church. In two days, 10,000 can be saved and added to the church. But you have to make yourself ready for that. Amen. We all do. Every one of us do. Because that automatically turns every person in the church into a staff member. <laughs> in one way or another. See what I'm saying? Lift your hands. Father, we thank you so much. Let us not miss the opportunity of, of the day in which we live. Let your information create our perception. Let our behavior be adjusted. Father, we thank you as is our tradition. We declare the protection of God over our lives. Thank you as we leave tonight. We thank you, Heavenly Father. Psalms 91 is as true as the day that the sweet psalmist of Israel wrote it. Thank you, no evil befalls us. No plague comes nigh our dwelling place. The angels of God have charge over us. Thank you, Father. A thousand can fall at our side, ten thousand at our right hand. Only with our eyes we behold and see the reward of the wicked. Thank you, Heavenly Father. You give your angels charge over us. In our travels on the highways, airways, seaways, or railways, or any handling of the resource you've given us, we say no trauma, no terror, no evil plans of wicked men. We push back against corona, the flu, colds, any other sickness or disease, and we stand in front of all of this instead of just recovering behind it. Thank you, Father, for the fire of evangelism burning in our spirits, that we're bold as a lion. Grant unto thy service with all boldness. We may speak your word. Stretch forth your hand to heal. Let signs and wonders be done in the name of your holy child, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Lord, as we leave tonight, we thank you that we will be an answer to people's prayer, problem to the devil, a miracle in people's lives. Lord, we walk in faith and love towards you. We love you so much. Thank you for first loving us. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for our church. We walk in love one toward another. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We are covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.